Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This podcast is produced on Gadigal land. There are companies with too much and there are other people with too little. So let's just be the conduit, you know? Let's just work out what we can do to make people feel dignified when they're at their lowest. And what can we do so that this brand new, perfectly good product doesn't go straight into landfill? You're listening to Short Black with me, Sandra Sully. Good women, great chat. What a treat today to welcome to Short Black, Andy Hallis. Good morning. Morning. Now, you're the 2022 Marie Claire Eco Warrior Woman of the Year. You caught my attention with the work you do for Thread Together, which you founded in 2012. How's it all going? What's the background? How did this come about? Where do I begin? Well, firstly, I have to say I call myself the Eco Warrior because I just worry and worry. But it's, it was an amazing award to receive. And we're almost thread together just over 10 years now. It began when I was working in the industry. I was working in Sea Folly. I came across some towels that were perfectly good, but we couldn't sell them. And it was on the back of being in China, seeing how much we were producing, how many clothes were being produced. And when I came home, I just couldn't put these towels into the rubbish bin. So I drove around the corner to a charity, the Asylum Seeker Centre, and I said, would these be of any use to you? And they said, they'd be great. So they took them. But when I was there, uh, there were about 60 clients at, at the time, and there were lawyers and there were doctors, and there were so many people supporting these refugees. And I thought, well, I'm not a doctor and I'm not a lawyer, but I do have access to clothing and new clothing. And there was just a box of old clothes. And I thought, oh, we can just do better than that as a society. We can do better than that. Look at where you are now. It's just extraordinary. And when we think about the fashion industry, of course, we all love fashion, but it is the centrepiece really of waste in the world. I was only reading the other day, the fashion industry is one of the most wasteful in the world. Globally, it creates 13 million tonnes of textile waste each year. The landfill is overflowing. Yeah, it's, it is a serious business. It is a serious, serious problem. And the industry is well aware. I mean, when I began Thread Together all those years ago, there were kind of whispers. It was more about the plastics and, and food waste and wasn't so much talk about textile waste. And forward 10 years, I mean, there is not a fashion company that is trying, not trying to work this issue out because the whole model is based on... New, 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 turnover, 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 turnover. Yeah. Has the fashion industry accepted Thread Together and are they contributing to you? We have had the most incredible response. Like I said, my experience is most people want to do the right thing. 
of all the companies. I mean, now we've got a thousand fashion brands and retailers and manufacturers. And it is very rare that we, when we approach them, that we receive a note. Although saying that, <laughs> it was only last week that I did see a very big fashion conglomerate. And it was the first time I was told, oh, no, we don't have any excess stock. And I thought, wow, well, what's your secret? <laughs> because it's I not true. How can it be true? You know, the, so much is produced and then it's in the store, but we know it doesn't all sell. You know, you've got too many of this size or someone's designed something that no one wants. I mean, there's so much or it's a bad winter and so you're left with too many rain jackets or it's a bad summer and you're left with too many. I mean, it, it's impossible. On average, what would you say the percentage of waste is? I, I actually couldn't tell you, and I'm not even avoiding it, but I'm not an expert. I'm not a merchandise planner. So it's all about the merchandise planning, you know, how much they're trying to produce in order to make their margin, in order to make their profit. And I suppose that when I talk about the system being broken, when you think about it, because manufacturing has now all been moved offshore, the bigger the quantities, the lower the price. So they're actually encouraged to make more because you're going to get a lower price and therefore you can put a greater margin on it. But again, I'm not an expert in this area. I mean, I did work in the industry, but it was in a different area. What's the philosophy in essence of Thread Together? It's really trying to solve two problems that we have with, with one solution. It's basically there are companies with too much and there are other people with too little. So let's just be the conduit, you know, let's just work out what we can do to make people feel dignified when they're at their lowest. And what can we do so that this brand new, perfectly good product doesn't go straight into landfill? I mean, it's just crazy from factory to landfill. Let's go factory, hopefully sell it if you don't sell it then give it to us and we will make sure that someone who really needs it, whether they've been, you know, in the floods, lost everything, they're a victim of domestic violence, they arrive in a shelter with nothing. They're new arrival from Afghanistan. You think how many people actually need clothing and it's all very nice and people are very well-meaning with the second-hand clothing to pass on second-hand clothing, but often it's not dignified. It's things wrapped up in old underwear, old bras. Who really wants to wear secondhand socks? Even secondhand shoes, you know? So that was the premise. So people say, well, was it the environmental element or was it the social element? What really? And it's, it was both. It was just thinking of something a little bit differently, thinking how we could do this differently. And it grew and the concept grew and the idea grew and we built upon it. Well, it's a decade, over a decade old now, mm. but take me back to the early days because to make it happen, one person can't do it. You've got to find people, warehouses, you've got to make it happen. How tough were those early days? They were tough. You know, I learned, I would just learn, but also, you know, when young people come to me and say, we want to know how do you do it, the first thing I say to them is, I don't want you to be fooled because I was very lucky. I had sea folly behind me. I had a warehouse. I didn't have to go and pay for a warehouse. I was already in the industry. So I literally called up a few of my mates in the industry and said, 
Do you have anything in your warehouse that you're not selling that you'd be happy to give to charity? Yep, yep, yep. Okay, great. I'll organise to pick it up. That's how slowly it started. Literally in my SUV, going backwards and forwards, arriving at the Sea Folly warehouse, begging the warehouse manager to put it up in, you know, the top rack that didn't disturb the business, begging staff to help me sort it, family, friends, every Saturday, every Sunday. Really, that's how it began. And I think that's really important because it was a big start. The next thing I realised is I can't afford to pick up, or, well, the next thing was to get registered as a not-for-profit, found a lawyer who would do that pro bono for us. That's what I'm saying. People are good and people want to help. You just need to give them the part to play in your story. So, yep, the lawyer, pro bono, accountant, pro bono. Then there was a meeting, actually, and I, I'm not, I'm definitely not pushing them, but they were incredible, which was toll. The logistics company. The logistics company. They were having a meeting in Seafolly, and I literally barged into that meeting and said, it was with the general manager at the time, the managing director, very senior, and I said, look, I need you to give me this for free. I need you to pick up these goods and deliver them. And he went, okay. I said, oh, great. <laughs> and to this day, to this day, they still provide that service to us. And we couldn't exist because it would be too expensive. I found you through a mutual friend, Adam Walling, who I've known for a very long time yeah. and since discovered we, we both do. And, and he was promoting Thread Together and there were constant images uploaded of volunteers turning up and sorting boxes and boxes and boxes of brand new clothing, brand new kit. And I thought, what is this about? <laughs> How important has something like Instagram been for you in terms of spreading the word and getting more people involved? I, I think it's been very important. But saying that, we began when Instagram wasn't around. So it was very word of mouth. I mean, social media is very important to us. It's important so that we get volunteers. It's important for our brand and recognition, and it probably becomes more and more important. But we are quite Sydney-centric in terms of our volunteers because our warehouse, our distribution centre is based in Sydney. Have you got greater plans for the whole country? Well, we're, we exist in the whole country. So we are in Brisbane, we're in Perth, we're in Canberra, Adelaide, you name it. We have hubs, we have the vans, which I'll explain to you what that's all about. So we have a presence in every single state, but our actual distribution centre, like any business, has one central warehouse, which is in Sydney. To open up another warehouse in another state, I don't know, it's a big thing. It's a really big thing. So how big is the business now? Uh, it's, well, just to give you an example, so uh, 2022, we received 1.4 million units and we distributed 1.2 million units. So we had 35,000 volunteer hours sorting through all those clothes and packing them and sending them to the right place. Now we've got eight vans, mobile vans, which they're basically like Scooby-Doo kind of little vans that we fit out with all the shop fittings and then we fill it with the new clothes and we go to communities, often in rural areas that are, that are not accessible. Like there's a lot of services available in the city 
It's really important to remember the people in the rural areas. Well, I instantly think of bushfires and floods, yep. you know, northern New South Wales. Yep. You must have been a blessing when you arrived with that van of gifts and new clothes, as you say, that would have been profound for you and them. Yeah, it was. There were a lot of tears. Because when you've just lost everything, when you've seen your house literally go, I mean, we, we can't solve everything. We can't replace the photos. And, but what we can do is say, you know what, we're going to, one particular woman, um, Judy, who we have a very close relationship with her and her son, and she was, it was boiling, but she was shaking. She was freezing because she was in shock. And we gave her a jumper. And we followed them the whole way. And actually, their house has just been rebuilt in Maria. It's not what it was. It's a different home, but it's a home mm -hmm. and she loves it. And, um, yeah, the, the same with the floods. You know, when you have lost everything, it's, it's the clothing because they need it because they don't have it. They've got nothing to sleep in. You know, even a lot of people start to donate lots of old clothes because, like I said, everyone wants to do the right thing. Everyone wants to help. Everybody when you're in a natural disaster and you are confronted with so many, the last thing you need is a pile of old clothes to go and sort through and work out where they're going to go. And I think what Thread Together does do is everything's already, the bras, sleepwear, sorted label, come in, set it up in the local hall, wherever, wherever they are, and just service people. You haven't received any government funding, but you've no. got plenty of corporate support. Yeah. What were the early days like, reaching out and getting some help? <laughs> I had a funny experience. And my very first meeting was with, who really became my mentor, was Joe Cameron, who heads up sustainability at Goodman. Well, I just rocked in and I thought it was a done deal. I thought, I oh, know you've supported Oz Harvest. And it's very similar to Oz Harvest. It's just for clothing. Oh, it's a done deal. And I walked in, I said, so Joe, we want like what Ronnie Khan has, that warehouse across the the road and she just looked at me and she laughed. She said, Angie, that was 10 years in the making. And I'm like, oh, well, how do I get one? <laughs> if <laughs> anyway, you don't ask. We did get one. We, did, we actually did get one just before our 10-year anniversary. This is that big national distribution centre. But the very early days was really hard, you know, funding whatever way we could, um, fundraisers, which I really don't like. And I don't think many people actually really like to go to them, but friends and family did. <laughs> you lean on them heavily. Yeah, yeah. You have received a lot of big support from big corporates. Yeah, now we have. Again, because I think corporates realise they do have a social responsibility. They just do. I mean, they're making a lot of money, a lot of these big corporates. And, and I think they should. I mean, I know they pay a lot of tax and whatever and the government, but we can't expect, we can't, as a society, we can't rely on government for everything. We all have to play our bit, you know, we all, if we can. And I think it's been a great experience for them. I think their staff love working for a company that is really involved with a charity. Like the partners that we have, it's not just the money. It's not just the treasure that they give us. They also help us with logistics, with warehousing, marketing, social media, because they've got all those skills that we're a tiny team. How big? Oh, we're six people. It's, we're <laughs> tiny. But then we've got all these volunteers. But as a team, we, yeah, we're a lean machine. Yeah, <laughs> and pretty strategic. Now, you've got over a 1,000 fashion partners mm. who've saved over 5.6 million pieces of clothing from landfill. 
The landfill stuff is just gold. But that aside, who are some of the big designers that have signed up? What are some of the big labels that you share around? Well, you've also got to remember what's important, what we need. So you're thinking of, and we really try and tailor it to the communities that we're working with. So if we're working at Youth at Risk, we don't want to give them colours and patty. They don't want colours and patty. What they do want is PE Nation. So that's the perfect example. PE Nation, PIP has been with us for years and a really big supporter of what we do. Saying in that active kind of way, there's Lululemon, underwears, bras and all of everything from Tommy Hilfiger, Bend On, Bonds. I mean, there's not many that we don't. And then the higher end labels, there's only so much really of that that we need. Well, the fundamentals in life are, you know, food, clothing, shelter. Yeah. So you're providing the fundamentals. I mean, the the dressings on top, as you say, you can leave to other people, but you're really servicing people in a desperate state. Mm. And as you say, through new items, you're giving them the dignity to get back on their feet. Yeah, that's exactly. And the choice, because they get the choice. So in our hubs, which we've got eight of them, I don't know if I've explained it, they are like shops. You would walk in there and you would, in fact, you know, often we get little knocks on the window. Are you open? So the hubs are mobile or permanent? They're permanent. So there's eight mobile vans and then there's nine permanent hubs, which are by appointment because we work with the social service agencies. And so the caseworkers come with their clients and it's a beautiful environment and they just slowly go through. So that's the other thing. The hubs... Uh, mostly have been donated by property developers because they buy these big pieces of land and while the DA is happening, the development application, they're sitting empty. What a waste. So they're a fantastic. Toga just gave us one at Central Station and it's an amazing location. It's accessible too. It's so accessible. It's on the train line. Yep, it's a shop. So even just not yesterday, day before, I was in there and I don't know why, but they were all men. One was a refugee, two were homeless men, one was a young boy that actually had to go to court and all these things had been stolen because he's staying in a hostel, you know, like, but it's a really good environment. And then on International Women's Day, we had another event. We didn't have lunches or anything, but we had the most special event where we just invited there were 10 women who were all living in a shelter, a very secret shelter. The, mm-hmm. the address is not there. And they all came in. And I must admit, when I first looked around, I thought, oh, this just feels so awkward. You know, I don't know how this is going to go. Because we also had some stylists from the Iconic. And who else was there? Um, can't think now. But we had some fashion stylists and designers in there that were going to help dress these women. That was the most special day. There was laughter, there was tears, like it was really awkward at the beginning, but by the end the music was going, they wanted to do a fashion parade, numbers were exchanged, you know, this one, one lady there, she does decals, so we said, oh, well, you can do a decal for our, you know, I just... How inspiring. Yep. We interviewed Erica Birchtold not that long ago through the Iconic and, and she did very much talk up that the fashion industry does have a conscience yep. and um, there are a lot of good people in the game who are trying to give back like yourself. But really, you know, you're kind of the puppeteer here, aren't you? You're connecting the network to make this happen. Mm. Yeah, no. And I think the next step for me, if I could do it, would be, so we've got 
the fashion companies, we've got the social service agency, and now the next thing I think is to be able to have organisations that have the technology for recycling, and I can't find it. (laughs) That's really challenging. Because of the mix of textiles and the range of textiles? Mix of fabric. I mean, again, I'm no expert. My feeling is there's just not enough funding going into new technology. Fashion's not going to go away. Don't even call it fashion. Call it clothing. It's not going to go away. And yet, as you said before, the impact on the environment's massive. Don't you think, though, people now are so much more aware post-COVID of how much you don't need? Yeah, because we were, we were educated to consume. Our grandmothers, our great-grandmothers were so different. It's like you had your cashmere cardi for a cold day, <laughs> you know, you'd bake a fresh cake, you did supermarkets, didn't, you know, it, we've just gone a bit crazy. <laughs> the best thing you can do is once something exists on this planet, keep it on the planet and keep it in its original form because you're not putting any extra water, energy, anything to make something new out of it. So that's why it's such a complicated area. Like people go, these runners are made from recyclable materials, but that's not necessarily good because maybe also it's made out of plastics which are better used for, you know, the properties are a higher value. And And they may never break down. Does clothing break down in landfill? No. I mean, again, I'm not a scientist, but there's a lot of chemicals. I mean, polyester and the mix of this and that. But I feel hopeful. We, like, I feel well, we're all aware and there's a lot, of, a lot of smart people. You know, someone worked out chat GPT and someone worked out how to go to the moon. <laughs> Surely we can work <laughs> Surely we could work at this. Yeah, let's hope so. What about your volunteer network? How do you get the people you need? So a lot of corporates, a lot of the corporates that sponsor us come in weekly for sessions. We have some amazing people that just are full-time volunteers. Would that be one day a week or five days a week? Some some are five, some are one, some are two. Because, again, it's a great environment and it's connection. It's human connection. What I find really interesting is the hubs that you have are by appointment only, you said. Mm. We're not social workers. I don't want to triage who should come and who shouldn't, but at the same time, we want these clothes to go to the people who really need them. So it just made sense to the social workers. Do They, they know the people that need them. So we're booked out all the time. And I think it's important, I don't, you know, like their lives are hectic enough and trauma. You know, a lot of these people have been through a lot of trauma. I don't need, like, I don't want them grabbing and feeling that there's not going to be enough for them. And just, yeah. The vans are different because the vans we go, like a welfare agency will book the van and then we'll fill it up with what's required. Like they might say, you know, we've got 60 kids in the community and we need casual wear and they need runners. or So we get sort of a brief and then we fill the van up with that and then we go there. There's also an online ability, which really was a lifesaver during COVID. How does that work? So we had to kind of pivot because, so the online service again is the agencies uh, just register with us and they've got their, their service agency number. 
and then they have access to our online site. So it's like a shopping site. But they can sit with their client because, you know, nine hubs, not everyone can get in there and the vans can't get everywhere. And so the online's been really fantastic and they can just sit. And some people are not ready to go out. I'm picturing six people sitting in an office in front of a computer or several computers that you've had to fund and get up and running, find the right software to manage this business, all in a volunteer capacity. We've always had really good people, really passionate. So like our current CEO, I have to say his name because he's a champ, Anthony Chesler, he's amazing. But he came from the business world because we have to run, it's a not-for-profit, doesn't mean it's, we need money. Yeah. You have to run it like a business. So he's got the passion and he made a conscious decision to go into the not-for-profit world. So when we've got people like that, we're efficient. You know, we use every technology available to us to make, uh, you know, scanning codes and Trello and Slack. And you could walk into our organisation and he's run like a fabulous business. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. What's the goal? I mean, it's just over 10 years old. Do you see yourself there in another 10? Definitely. I, I mean, look, I hope as Thread Together is today, we don't have to exist because I do believe there'll be less excess stock. But what I do realise is how important, I mean, over 13% of Australians are currently living under the poverty line, currently. So I cannot walk away from that piece, the social piece, and just say, okay, well, we don't exist anymore. And if there's a natural disaster, someone else will come to the party. So I think the challenge for us is going to be, what will we look like in 10 years? I'm hoping there, and I really do believe there will be less stock and there will be less of the right stock. That is what we need. Which isn't great for you. It's good. It's what we want. And what I always thought I want, but now when I think about it, it's like, well, then what happens? Do we just shut up shop and go, sorry, guys, to, you know, the 750,000 people that we've currently by, and I don't think I could do that. So then, I don't know, do we get into the second-hand market somehow and make sure that every piece is washed and, I don't know, maybe that is. There is so You want to come to our strategy day? <laughs> <laughs> I'm also thinking about, you know, you've got some brands that have such inordinate amounts of excess. Do you think by collaborating with the group such as yours, it's a bit of greenwashing? It's so interesting you said that because I had a conversation only this morning. And to date, the companies that we have worked with, we've never been confronted with that. 
because we weren't working with the fast, fast fashion because we weren't even on their radar and we were so, it wasn't on their radar that what they're doing. But now we've been approached by two, fast fashion. So we're having the whole discussion. Well, what do we do? Do we say absolutely no, which is what we initially said, but then we know that all that stuff is just going to go into landfill or is it better with us? Or are we just giving them an excuse? Yeah, to say we have a conscience and we're doing the right thing, but they really haven't changed the behaviour. Yeah. You know, like I know the companies that we're working with, they're really trying. They have no, they won't exist if they don't change their model. So that I'm really comfortable. And like I said, they're so involved with our organisation. Do you think by doing what you do, you've actually reminded those businesses in real terms what their wastage looks like? Yes, but I couldn't take that. It's not because of Thread Together. It's because they would have to be living under a rock. You know, every article about fashion, I mean, you've got Stella McCartney, you've got the Ella MacArthur report. It's like there is absolutely no avoiding it. And the consumers, they're asking for it more and more. Although I think like the next generation's kind of in two streams. You've got those that just want to look like Kim Kardashian and, and just want fast fashion and fast. And then you've got the others that are very conscious about what they're buying, how much they're buying, what's it made of, how's it made. You're seeing all of that in consumer behaviour mm. and you're hearing that through your conversations with your partners. Absolutely. That must make you very happy. Yeah, I think we're on a good path. But there's a lot. We've still got all the stuff that we have produced. So, yeah, maybe I'm, maybe I'm thinking of the secondhand market somewhere. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I doubt you're going to give up anytime soon. You're a, a woman with plenty of drive and clearly you know how to deliver. Weaving together a strategic group and getting that board of directors on side, what was it like finding them? You know what? We broke all the rules. I think we've always broken all the rules. I don't know. I'm really, like I'd be really bad working in a big corporation and I never have. My entire life I never worked in a big corporation because I don't understand it and I don't know how to play it. And I just, I can't do it. So, for example, my husband, Anthony, he's on the board. Now, anyone will go, oh, you can't have your husband. But we started it really together. And Gary, who was the CEO of SFG, he was the first person. He's still there today. Bringing on the others, then we realised we needed more understanding government and the environment. So Ashley Morris, anyway, I've got a fantastic board, but it's, just, again, it's a small, I mean, you've only got six people working in the business. Yeah, but you've got to get the skill sets right. Not only that, you have to be accountable. You have to make sure that you're ticking every single box. We've got a really smart board, but it's a small board of seven people, all very highly skilled. But what I'm saying is it's a working board. It's a working board. So no one's there just so that they can put it on their CV or, or whatever. According to a recent study, I think it was the IPCC, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, in their crisis report, they delivered a final warning on the state of the planet. And it stated clearly that the fashion industry must take action. According to that study, the fashion industry is responsible for between 4 and 10% of global carbon emissions. I mean, that, that's staggering. Mm. So we're not only talking about what's going into landfill, we're talking about all the energy and the water. and It's both ends of the business chain, isn't it, when it comes to fashion? Yeah. 
10 years ago, we didn't really understand it. And now everyone's being asked to be far more accountable. Do you think the industry itself took a long time to take responsibility? And if so, why? Just in denial? No, I think unaware. I just think it wasn't spoken about enough. We didn't have the, now they know, and now they're acting. But I don't think it was anything from not really, you know. I think the big turning point was the Ellen MacArthur report, where she really spoke about circularity. You'd say circularity, but it's all really sustainability. And she did an expose, did she, just on the fashion industry. Yeah. And that was the wake-up call. It was even better than that because she didn't just point fingers. She said, this is the solution and this is the roadmap and this is the targets and this is what we have to start doing. So it was very concrete but very big and quite overwhelming. So I am pretty sure she followed it up with another report and she's still working on it. Now, you're a mum with a couple of kids. Mm -hmm. What impact do you think Thread Together's had on them? Uh, So I think all three of them probably quite differently. I've been really conscious of not imposing it on them because it's my passion, it's my beliefs, and they've got to work out their own. You know, if it floats their boat, great, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. But they're very proud of Thread. They've they've always helped volunteer. It's always been spoken about around the dining table. You know, they've come to so many events. So it's very much, but I don't don't force anything. Do you think you've seen, though, a change in their consumer behaviour as a consequence of (laughs) witnessing their mum chasing a passion and delivering? Yeah. No, they are very, like even when my youngest and her friends might come over, And they go, oh, we're going to go and buy an outfit. And my youngest daughter will say, (laughs) she'll say, well, don't go and buy it from the fast fashion names because mum hates them. They're not over consumers at all. What do you mean by fast fashion? I mean where their whole model is just, it's accessible. It's cheap, making people feel that they need it and they need more of it and it doesn't last for very long or it doesn't last for a day. It's just unnecessary. When we talk about the scourge of domestic violence, and look, I read it on the news, I don't know how many times a week, and there's candlelit vigils around the country for 85 plus women and children who've already died this year. It must be just so rewarding when you can help those women in those desperate hours of need. Yep. We've just launched a new program. We're introducing these permanent wardrobes and they've just got the essentials, and we're putting them to 100 women's shelters around the country. Because often when women arrive in a shelter, you know, they leave in the middle of the night or they leave with very little, they might pack a few things for their kids. So what does the wardrobe physically look like? Yeah, so it's actually modular. So if you're you're a small shelter, it'll just be like one, one unit. Imagine in a wardrobe and it will just have underpants, bras, sleepwear, Um, blankets if we have sometimes we get donated blankets um, some tracksuits for the next day t-shirts you know just really the basics and if you're a larger shelter and you have more space then we can provide you with more so it just means the time between them arriving they get something and then they can do the order online the following day which then we can pack and then we can have to them within 24 to 48 hours so it's just that From the early days, when you look back to the need now, how would you describe that 
Were you just overwhelmed? I'm still overwhelmed. I'm still overwhelmed at the need. I'm still, I don't understand it. I don't understand that Australia is such a wealthy country, which we are, and there are just so many people doing it so, so tough. And I just, I, I just find it hard, whether it's like, even for our 10 year anniversary, we were shooting a video, more like a documentary. And, you know, just even this little pensioner who said, I can't afford to put on my electricity because even though I use Oz Harvest for my food and she literally cannot survive and she's petrified of not having anything. Like, I don't, well, what is a pension? Not enough. Exactly. It's not enough. But the cost of living is just soaring. And, you know, there's a rental crisis, rates are through the roof. The nation's confronted with so many big issues at the moment. I know. Have you noticed much of a jump in demand in recent times? Yes, absolutely. How much? Look, I can't put it with percent. I just, I mean, well, you can see how many more charities are onboarding with us. Now, is that because they've heard of us? Or is it because the need is just getting greater and, and greater? Any states drawing a bigger demand at the moment than others? Does it kind of depend on the seasons? Look, Lismore's pretty tough. You know, Queensland's pretty tough at the moment. Adelaide? Adelaide seems like there's a lot of people in need. It can actually get a little bit overwhelming, especially when you're looking at someone in the eyes and they're just like you. And they just have the dreams and the aspirations and the expectations and just for whatever reason something's gone horribly wrong. I mean, no no kid should be sleeping at Central Station. Yeah. We're approaching winter too. Is that going to make it tougher? Yeah. It's freezing. It's really cold. But again, you just I just know that we can't solve every problem and there's sort of we can just do what we can. If you can make a call out today to anyone who's listening, who knows someone who knows someone, because let's face it, that's how the network works. What's your great ask? Mm. Where's the gap in the market right now and what do you need? Because our listeners may know someone who can reach out and say, hey, thread together, need. It would be amazing to find, a re- again, because we work on scale and it's all got to be firsthand, so it has to be a fashion brand, it has to be new, is men's jeans between size 32 and 40. They just go. And we service a lot of men. There's, of course, there's a lot of homeless men, a lot of refugees that arrive and they just want to look like, you know, they're in Australia. They want a pair of jeans, you know, they don't want to wear a suit anymore. Well, tracksuits also. I mean, they're the things that we just go through. Yeah. Well, the more I talk to you, I'm kind of thinking, oh, could we make secondhand? I don't know. That'll be for another. That'll be our next conversation in five years. Yes, exactly. (laughs) The world's your oyster. If people are listening to our chat and they want to get involved, how do they do that? Just go on our website. They can volunteer. Or if they need, if they're an agency or a charity and they need clothes, they can also do that too. Thread together. Well, Andy Hallis, what a joy it has been to explore a little bit of your journey with Thread Together. And I just hope someone who's listening to our podcast here knows someone in government that gives you the right grant because you need to keep going. You're fulfilling a a marvellous need and also lifting people up in their hour of need. And that's just so important. Thanks so much for spending some time with us here at Short Black. Onwards and upwards for you. I can't wait to see what's next. 
Thank you. Thanks, Sandra. You have been listening to Short Black, a Network 10 podcast. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, subscribe in your favourite podcast app. Thanks for listening.